everyone. I hope you're ready to start our service this morning. If you are, please rise and we'll start our service with a song as we normally do. We're going to sing forever. to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever, for He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever, sing praise, sing praise, the mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love endures forever For the life that's been reborn His love endures forever Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing His love endures forever. By the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. God is with us forever. Forever, God is faithful. Forever, God is strong. Forever, God is with us forever. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever, for He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever, sing praise, sing praise, come on, sing praise, sing praise. God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us forever, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us forever. seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you being able to make it today. Uh, we had a, a great Sunday school class already, and I just praise the Lord that we're going to continue to have a great day in God's house. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you and to, again thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together as friends and family in your house. Uh, and God, I just pray you just open the windows of heaven and just pour out your anointing upon us to the point that we know that we have been filled up, heaped up, over with your glory, with your grace. So God, may your majesty be lifted up here today. And if there is somebody here today, Lord, that for whatever reason has never chosen to follow you, may something be said or done where they make that choice before it's too late. God, may we just lay this entire service in your hands. Songs, prayers, sermon.
Whatever it is, we put it all in your hands and ask your direction, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody today. Walk around a second. Excuse me. Shake somebody's hand and just tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. you'll come next year because it it is a great time you just have a good time you have fun out there just seeing everybody else have fun so thank you to all the workers and everyone that brought everything together for fall festival and i praise the lord for each one of you and everything that that you guys did and it made it a huge success the um, fall fest is now behind us but that brings up a couple more things that we need to start looking towards or, or wait a minute one more that's behind us the coat drive Corey, let me know it looks like the goal was 10 buckets and we made just that, 10 buckets of coats. Amen? So give God the glory. <laughs> However, I will say that he said the youth won six to four. So six of those buckets came from the youth. So adults, amen. Yeah, that's right. Amen. So adults, you need to pull it together because now my next statement is we're going into our toy drive. Uh, be, be thinking about toys. I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet. However, it's time to start thinking about our our toy run's going to be coming up. Before you know it, it's going to be on top of us. So start praying about our toy drive and everything there. And she's not here right now, but just to throw out a, a little kudos to Annabelle. It was Annabelle's thought pattern. I had nothing to do with it, but just something that you guys can continue to do, maybe at your work or school. But Annabelle came home the other day from school, and she talked to Miss Mundragon, which is the counselor and the principal. And between the two of them, she asked them, if they could put together a toy drive at the school for our church's toy run, and amen, and the school, and they said yeah, so they're going to be they're going to be putting out boxes and everything to help with our toy drive at the uh, 
junior high, Lavernia Junior High School down there. All because, I haven't talked to the principal. According to Annabelle, but I think it's going. To, she had too many details for it not to be, be legitimate. So praise God. So keep keep that in prayer. And if a, a fourth grader can do that, fifth grader, sixth grader. Well, she's not here. I'm good. Sixth grader. If a sixth grader can do that, then you can as well. I don't know. I had I had, I had uh, our neighbor boy on my mind for some reason. We were just having a. Co- Will you quit looking at me like that? Anyway, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> if you didn't have so many kids, I wouldn't make these pro- mistakes. <laughs> um. But anyway, if she could do that, then you guys can do something at your workplaces and school as well. Uh, the only other thing I want to make sure to grab a hold of, a couple other things actually, our Thanksgiving meal. Remember, be praying about that. Last year we had said that the attendance had slowed down to where last year we said if the attendance was low, that might have been the last year we were going to do our, our dinner here on the grounds for Thanksgiving, and we had a great turnout. So that meant, okay, that we're going to keep it up. So Thanksgiving Day, we're going to have Thanksgiving meal here, and if you remember... We come in early in the morning, we start with Thanksgiving Day Parade, and we just have a day on the ground. You can come in for a minute or two, an hour, or stay all day. And uh, we'll have the football room up front, we'll have the, the meal there that, where people cook. Sherry and Carla, I guess, get, or Sherry, get with Sherry, and she'll line all that out. It's still a little ways out, but I'll be praying about that now. Our Bible conference, next Sunday evening, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, we're going to have, uh, Scott's going to be here. Uh, in the evening times, and he's going to be bringing a, a Bible study. Be praying about that. It's a not Bible study. It's a, a Bible conference, a sermon se- series, a revival, if you will, on unity within the church. And I want to encourage folks to come out. I know it's a Sunday evening at set at six, and then Monday and Tuesday will be at seven. But I'd like to see his. He's bringing some youth that are going to be bringing the music, and we're just going to have a time of, of Bible study those three nights and and learning and and coming together to to bring unity in the church and just learn about what it means to have unity in the church and out doing God's will together in one accord. So I want to encourage you, that's next Sunday night, next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night. If you can come and be here for a little bit, it'll, it'll be a blessing to you. So mark that on your calendars to, to come back out next Sunday evening, Monday evening, and Tuesday evening. Last but not least, I, I should probably announce it every week, I forget, I had a visitor last week ask me about it, and I thought I'd better mention it again. Remember, we don't pass a plate in our church. We don't believe in, in, in trying to shame anybody into giving of their tithes and their offerings. This is something between you and the Lord. However, we have made it available there, right here, and in the back is our prayer and offering columns. If you have prayer requests, you can tear off this little tear-off on the side of your bulletin right here and write your prayer request. If you've got questions, things of that nature, drop that in there but also your tithes and offerings. Drop them in them columns as well. All right, that's enough announcements for me. Brother Bob, you got? You want to come on up? Let me pray with you, brother. Father God, I do lift up my brother again to you, and I just thank you for his willingness and his diligence to come and open the word. I thank you for bringing his wife back into country safely and bringing her home to him, Lord God. And I just pray that you continue to bless his family and, and his willingness to do this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord. It's great to be here with you. Um, I know I, I, I talk a lot about um, the concept of salt and light, that Jesus talked about how in the Bible how we're to be salt and light to the world. And um, I'd like to share a couple of verses with you today, if I may. Sometimes it's, it's really easy when we see everything that's going, around, uh, going on around us to uh, kind of give up or feel sorry for ourselves and things like that. But... Um, God tells us through Scripture that those are um, some really important times, and we need to look at that as an opportunity to actually allow Christ to be manifested in us because people look at the way that we react. Like, we're very very blessed if we were brought up in church or even if we attend church. We have our biblical heroes that can show us examples of um, what God's love means and how we're to behave towards one another in Christ. But for some people, people in the world, you might be the only Jesus that they ever see. And um, that's a great responsibility, and it's also a great opportunity. We have to look at things when situations are going wrong in our lives and things like that, that that's an opportunity for people to see the love of Christ in us and to see how God can change a person 
that they can actually find joy in the midst of sorrow. And that's a really difficult thing to do. But let's look at um, some scripture real quick. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 6, it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be seen and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our own bodies. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed by day, day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at those things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Isn't that beautiful? And if that wasn't enough to convince you, let's look at Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 20. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspect, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherewith is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a real recipe for true happiness in our lives. If we can actually, just like Paul and Silas when they were in prison, just having taken all those stripes with the cat of nine tails, can you imagine what they, what they did as they actually sang and gave praise to God that they were counted worthy to suffer affliction for his name? Last time I looked, I haven't been struck by a cat of nine tails recently, and I'm not in prison, so I have a lot to be thankful for. And when the little things in our lives go wrong, that's a real opportunity for us to show the love of God to the world. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word, Lord God. And we thank you that you gave us examples through scripture and word that um, allow us to change our hearts to, Father, be, be more of what you would have us to be and less of what we would want to be. And I just pray that you would help us to Rely on your word. Help us to hide your words in our heart, just like uh, the psalmist David said, Lord God, that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now that we've been given reason to sing, thank you, Bob. Let's do just that. Let's stand in praise. We're going to start our service with uh, the beauty of the cross. I find the beauty of your matchless grace and at the cross I see a king who died to take my place It's the moment that you made me clean and body my soul Amazing grace that I would be allowed unto your throne not by my own will, but solely by your will alone. I'm unworthy of this love you have shown to me. I see my desperate need. The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace is found. 
Yeah. 
Hallelujah. You can grab a seat this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, be turning to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11. One of those at the very front of the book up there. Judges chapter 11. Tuesday is election day. And that's going through my mind as I was praying about what to bring up this morning. And I'm not going to uh, share, uh, share uh, Marina's friend, Adam, was over last night, asked me what I was going to speak on today, and Sherry said, oh gosh, not politics. <laughs> no, it's not politics. However, the, it, what I would point out this morning, what I feel as though the Lord's laid on my heart, is a character study. We're going to look at Japheth for a little bit this morning. And John always asks me what, I, what the title, the message is at the end. And he comes up with some great titles. If you ever go to the YouTube channel and look at the titles, he comes up with some great names for these. But as I was thinking about this, the thought that came to mind is Japheth for president. That's who I would want for president. And I would also point out that if I wanted him for president, it means that he's probably somebody I would want to emulate. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And we're going to look at Japheth's life just a little bit in chapter 11. Now, when you look at the book of Judges, or we'll just skip right ahead, Japheth was the, the, the ninth judge of Israel. He was a man of, 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 of incredible character. He had impeccable integrity. He was a, a solid man, and there's a lot we can learn about him. He stood out, actually, amongst all his brethren because his brethren had little or no character. He stood out because the people around him could look to him, and here was a man that was courageous. Here was a man that had good character. Here was a man that held to his vows. And oh, how we need people today, people of character, to stand in our society, to stand in our our Congress and other leadership positions, if you will, because they are so incredibly rare. Why do we live in a day where people of character are so rare? It was the same thing here. But yet there was that man, Japheth. And I would submit to you this morning that as Christians, God has called you and I to go out into the world and be that man or that woman. We should be that example of character. We should be that example of integrity for the world to look at and say, man, I, I want to be like them. Now, these people tend to stand out, just like Japheth stood out. They, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. The world will look at people like this and, and say they're oddballs, they're radicals, they're they're, they're not in the mainstream of things because they're not lying and cheating and doing the things that the world would do. But folks, let me share with you this morning, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be a people of integrity. And Japheth, being the judge of Israel at the time, was to be a leader of integrity. We need, in this country, we need statesmen of character. And, and, and what is a statesman? I think I shared with Brian earlier in the week, I had read somewhere, a statesman is someone who makes decisions based on what's best for the next generation. A statesman is someone who will think about their country and do what's best for those to come, where politicians make decisions based on the next election. Unfortunately, we become a people in a country that tends to base things on the next election cycle. We treat things like a game. Folks, as Christians, we should be on a daily basis living a life of integrity and character so that when people look at us and say, why are you living this way? So that it'll be a better life for my kids who are coming behind me. So I can have a country and and a thought process and a moral value put out there so that my grandchildren can understand what it means to live a life of character and a life of integrity. As Christians, we should be a people of principle with core values, with with, 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 with strong uh, roots within the Scriptures so that we can't be blown about by, by the winds of the poles and popular opinion. As Christians, we should be able to stop and make a stand upon, thus saith the Lord. And that is what Japheth has done. Bob got up a moment ago and talked about that we have these great examples in our faith. Unfortunately, oftentimes, I think the examples are there and we don't read them or we forget about them. This morning, I want us to look at this man's life because here is an example of courage. Here is an example of integrity. Here is an example of character that you and I should, should grab a hold of. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, a lot of people call it the hall of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, What more shall I say? 
For the time would fail me to speak of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and David also and of Samuel. In other words, when, when the Hall of Faith is written, Japheth, way back here from Judges chapter 11, is mentioned in Hebrews. He is mentioned there in that Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 verse 32. Here was a man that truly stood out. And for that reason, we can learn from him this morning. He faced difficulties. He faced dangers. Japheth in his life had a lot of things going on. And I think that if we look at this together, we can learn a lot. But starting in, in chapter 11, Judges chapter 11, starting in verse 1, starting in verse 1, we're just going to grab the first three verses. I want to point something out here. It says, Japheth, the Gilead, was a great warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. And Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they grew up, they drove Japheth out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in our father's house because you're the son of another woman. So Japheth fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some, of, then some lawless men joined Japheth and traveled with him. Now, right off the bat, when we look at this man's life, if anyone had an excuse to blame their failure on their past or on their upbringing, it was this guy. He could have pointed fingers and blamed everything on what happened behind him. He is the illegitimate child of a prostitute. And let me, let me, let me just take a sidebar for just a quick second. There is no such thing as an illegitimate child. I think there's just illegitimate parents. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child, folks. Abortion says that the child is not wanted, so the child is not valuable. However, the circumstances in which the child is conceived uh, should not determine the innocence of the child. The child is still innocent. It's the parents who are guilty. Amen? But anyway, and, you, and, and that's why we as Christians, and I, as Christians, that's why we reject the idea of abortion because it's, it's all about the child and not the parents. It's the parents who made the choice. The innocence of the child should never be negated just because of the, the uh, ignorance of the, the parents involved. Amen? But it, back, back to JPEF's life here. Here he is, the, the illegitimate son of a, of, a, of a prostitute. And Japheth, he could have pointed fingers. He could have said, I'm this way because of all this, because of the circumstances of his birth. He was branded uh, right, right from the get-go with a stigma. Right from the very beginning, because he was a, a, the child of a prostitute, he had a stigma placed upon him. Oh, you're an illegitimate son. You're not going to be anything. He was excommunicated. He was ostracized, exiled by his own half-brothers, told to go away. Verse 2, they say, you're not welcome here. We disown you. You're not a part of our family. And they throw him out. And in verse 3, he says, okay. So he departs. He goes off to this other place. And what happens? He gets in with the wrong crowd. And, and, and actually, if, if you read this uh, uh, in other translations, but he basically became their leader. He became the gang leader. So he gets thrown out of his house. He goes off. He goes to this other town, hooks up with the wrong group of people, becomes the gang leader. And he is the leader of these criminals and these desperados. He... He has become a tough guy. He is, a, he is the son of a harlot. He's in a, the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. He's been ostracized by his family. He is a gang leader, and yet he is named by God in Hebrews chapter 11 in the annals of faith. Hallelujah. Nowhere, anyway, anyhow, could that happen unless God comes in and moves. How can that happen when there's not, not, when, unless God comes in and changes a man? What, is that, what does it show us when we look at a man who, who the son of a harlot became a gang leader, but yet is mentioned in the hall of faith by God? It shows that we do not have to allow our past to determine what our future is going to be. Just because our, our past may show these things or some of that, doesn't mean that I have to be it in my future. That, that I can be unshackled from my past. I can rise above my past. I can get past my past, if you will, if I put my control over into the hands of my Lord. If I do not allow it to get... I should not allow my ancestor's character to control who I am. I can determine the destiny of my descendants. I can't change what my ancestors have done, but I can choose this day in whom I put my faith, and then my descendants will have a different life. I should not point fingers and say, well, it's because of my past. It's because of my mom. It's because of this. It's because of that. No, I am making a choice. I can either choose to be the victim or I can choose to stand up. Japheth chose 
to stand up. We need to stop making excuses and, and, and blaming the circumstances on our lack of achievement. We need, and our, our, our hopeful politicians need to quit assigning fault to everyone else and start taking a little bit of personal responsibility and maybe they could change things. Maybe they could change things in their life. All Japheth had ever known to this point was failure, rejection, poverty. He was pushed out from the very beginning. But we here in America today, we would have viewed poor Japheth as a victim. Oh, poor Japheth. We would have easily diagnosed him with some kind of this or other syndrome and, and, and given him medicine and said, oh, you poor guy, you'll never be anything in this world. That's where we're at today. And I'm not, understand, I'm not being unsympathetic towards those who have real needs, but you know what I'm saying is true today. We have so many people that rather than, than tell them to stand up and, and be accountable, we just say, oh yeah, your past is bad, so that means you must be bad. We do the people a great disservice, folks, when we allow them to use their background as an excuse for their future failures. We are doing them a disservice. You know, Helen Keller, we have, most of us have heard the story of Helen Keller, the, the deaf and blind girl who was able to learn to communicate. But we, we hear very little about Ann Sullivan. You know, Ann Sullivan was her teacher. But yet, Ann Sullivan has an incredible story as well. Ann Sullivan, at, at five years old, got an illness. She was very ill, and she lost her sight because of this illness. Well, two years later, her mother died. Two years after that, her father skips out and leaves her at an orphanage. In those days, they didn't have programs to really take care of, the, of a child, so she was being fed and just kind of there, left there to rot in this orphanage. Well, she really wanted to go to school. That nobody would really listen to her, but she longed to go to school and learn with the other children. And her persistence caught the attention of a state inspector. And this, this state inspector saw how this young girl who couldn't see really wanted to learn. So he took it upon himself to, to pay for her to, go to, to, to come out of the orphanage and go to the Perkins Institute for the Blind, where she learned Braille, became the top of her class, graduated top of her class, learned all these things later. A few months later, she had a, a surgery that gave her back partial of her sight. Then just two years after that, she takes on this project of teaching Helen Keller. It, she basically was Helen Keller at one point. She, did, she, she had these issues, these problems. But now she goes to Helen Keller. Now who is Helen Keller? Think about it for just a minute. Here was a girl. She was blind. She was deaf. And, and for all practical purposes, she, was, she didn't have any, any kind of authority around her whatsoever. Her family just let her walk around. She would act like an animal. She would just grab food off the table and shove it in her mouth, she would eat, and there was, this, there was just no effort to teach or train or control her. There was nothing there. But Ann Sullivan came in, and she gave her time. She gave her love. She gave, she gave everything she had to train and nurture Helen to a point that she not only learned to communicate, but she learned how to, she got a college degree, and then her and Ann traveled all over the world raising millions of dollars for the American Association for the Blind. These are two women that could have very easily, very easily allowed their past to control their future. These are two women who could have just thrown in the towel and gave up. They were blind. The, the one was deaf and blind. That had that, been very easy to just sit back and say, there's no hope for me. But instead, Anne said, I want to learn. And once she learned, she said, I want to teach others. And she went to Helen Keller and she taught them. And here are two women that had every right to let their past define their future, but they made a decision to choose, no, I want to make a difference. And I want to make a difference in Helen's life. Helen, I want to make a difference in other blind and deaf folks' life. And together they made so much of a difference in the world. The past, our past, does not have to define what we are to become, folks. You and I and anyone else can overcome our past no matter what it is. Now, I've been through a lot of sociology programs. I've been through some psychological programs in my college career. And they will teach you that you cannot overcome your past. But I will tell you right now, regardless of your monetary situation, regardless of what you were born into, with God's help, you can overcome whatever you came from. But you have to choose not to say, I am this, that, or the other. You have to choose to put your faith on, in God and say, from this point forward, I trust Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are all born with a sinful nature. That means that every single one of us has a propensity to, to make bad choices. We are all going to make behavioral choices. And we have the propensity to err on the bad side. But if we will stop, and quit saying, well, I was born this way or everything's rigged against me here. 
and take responsibility for my actions and choose life, choose Christ, and say, I will choose God's help. Whatever it is, I am going to pray and be happy with the fact of what, that God's in control, then I can have victory over it. When I quit allowing the past to define who I am and take personal responsibility and give it to the Lord and say, God, help me, then I have victory regardless of what the circumstances are around me. But if we continue to get, get caught up in the, 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 the old poor me, we're never going to get the right diagnosis of what's going on in our lives. How can I find the right cure if I will not accept what's actually wrong? If I continually uh, uh, blame everybody else, certainly our environment influences our bad choices. But the lesson Japheth gives us is I can stop and make a decision. I can stop and choose to live for God. I ch- can stop and choose to stand up and make the right choices. If you look in my past, I've got a lot of bad choices. And I bet if I looked in the past of many of you guys, it's, there's going to be a, a plethora of, of bad choices. But you know what? They're in the past. From the moment I choose to put my eyes on God, I am deciding to change the future. And I can change it with God's help. But I have to make sure that I want that. Japheth could have qualified as a victim. He he could have sat back and said, oh, you know, uh, I was thrown out of my house. My mama was a harlot. And he could have whined and cried about all that stuff. But he chose not to. And I share with you this morning that if your birth was not a good one, take courage because you can be born again. If your birth, your physical birth, was not one that you can be proud of per se, then stop and understand that God's grace is plentiful, that His, that his forgiveness is free, that, that His strength is sufficient to pull you out of wherever you think you are and put you on a course that leads to a holy eternity. But you've got to choose life. Even if your background is dark, you know what God can do? He can take that dark background and make it like the black velvet behind that diamond of His grace as He presents you back to the world. The Bible says He can use all things for His glory, regardless of what your past is. You can sit and waller in your past. You can sit and make excuses about your past. You can sit and, and blame your future on your past. Or you can stop right now and say, yes, I was born of a harlot. Yes, I did run with the wrong crowd. Yes, I even became the gang leader of that new crowd, that wrong crowd. But when it came down to the time that I needed to make a stand, I chose to put my eyes on Christ. Japheth, if you pick up in verse 4, it says, Sometime later the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Jalid went to get Japheth from the land of Tob. They said to him, Come, be our commander, and let's fight against the Ammonites. Japheth replied to the elders of Jalid, Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why then have you come to me now that you're in trouble? And they answered Japheth, Since that is true, we now turn to you. Come with us, fight the Ammonites, and you will become leader of all the inhabitants of Jalid. So Japheth said to them, If you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord does give them to me, I will be your leader. And the elders of Jalid said to Japheth, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. So Japheth went with the elders of Jalid. The people put him over themselves as leader and commander, and Japheth repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. Now, what's going on here? The Ammonites are attacking the nation Israel. They're, 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 they're falling. And Japheth, they're saying, hey, you know, Japheth, he's got this reputation as a bad dude. He's a tough guy. We need a warrior up front. Go get Japheth. He's one of us. Well, they go to Japheth, and he's like, whoa. You didn't want nothing to do with me before. Why should I come over there? But Japheth remembered his teachings. And when he went back to Mizpah, he put it into the hands of God. What the people of, of, of Jalid did, I think that we in America do as well. We in this nation have done. They turned to Japheth. They turned to someone tough when they needed him. We turn to God only when we need him sometimes. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. I came across a story. I was reading a, some stuff, uh, uh, Veterans Days next week, and I was reading some things. And I came across a story about this, this uh, young man during the Korean War. They were in a foxhole, and there, there, he had a lot of comrades. There was a lot of casualties out on the field. And his, com- his commander came over and ordered him. He said, boy, you need to jump out of that foxhole, run out there and save some of your comrades, save some of them guys, bring them back in here. Yes, sir, I'll do that. 
And the commander walked away. Well, he hunkered down in his, in his uh, foxhole there and just kind of looked at his watch. And the other two guys in the foxhole looked at him and was wondering, what in the world are you doing? You were just commanded to go out there and, and do what you needed to do. Well, a little bit later, the commander comes back around and he, he says, hey, didn't I tell you to get out of that foxhole and go help your comrades? Go out there and help some of your fellow Marines out there and bring them back into this foxhole? Yes, sir, I'm, I'm going to do it, sir. I'll do it right now, sir. Commander walks off and he just hunkers down in his foxhole and looks at his watch. Watches his watch. And the other guys in the foxhole are thinking, what is he doing? This is crazy. Well, the third time the commander comes over and, and hollers, boy, you better get out of there and threatens him this time with all kinds of things that's going to happen to him if he doesn't get out of that hole and get out there and help his fellow Marines to get back into this foxhole. He says, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. And he apologized and, and acted like he was leaving the foxhole. And the, the commander walked away and he jumped back down and was looking at his watch again. After about two minutes, he jumps out of that foxhole and he runs out there and he starts saving these men. And he's flying all around. Bullets are flying and he's dragging people back to the foxhole and he saves quite a few men that day. And his, the, the guys who were in the foxhole were thinking, well, he was a coward. There was something going on. Why? What, what happened? All of a sudden you snap and go out there and, and do all this crazy stuff. And he, he looked at him and said, well, it's kind of like this. I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist, but my mother does. And the day I left home, she gave me a Bible. And in the Bible, she wrote down these times that she was going to be praying for me. And I knew that if I would wait till one of those hours that my mama was praying for me, then nothing could happen to me when I was on that field. Hallelujah. Even the atheist, this atheist young man, this, 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 this Marine who's, who's armed up, got all his gear on and everything's going, ready for battle, knew when it, when it really got rough, he needed mama's prayers. When it really got rough, he didn't pray, he didn't turn to the Lord, but he knew who was. He said, I'm waiting for that hour. I'm waiting for that time. Unfortunately, I think that's what we do in America today. We don't claim belief until there's some danger around us. And nine, after 9-11, Ruth, not Ruth, Billy Graham's daughter, Ann. Ann Graham was being interviewed on CBS, um, the morning show or early show, whichever one's CBS, and they, uh, they, they, they asked her point blank, how could God let something like this happen? And I loved her answer. She looked at me and said, you know, I believe that God is deep, just as deeply saddened about all this as we are. But after years of telling God to, to get out of our schools, after years of telling God to get out of our government, after years of telling God to get out of our lives, being the gentleman that he is, he calmly backed out. So how in the world can we expect God to give us his blessing and his protection when we can continue to tell him to stay in, out of our lives and leave us alone? Folks, as Christians, whether it be in a voting booth, whether it be in our workplaces, wherever we are, we should walk every day, every day calling upon his name, every day laying things out to him. It, is, it, it shouldn't uh, uh, be strange to us. The world trashes God. He, he continues to trash God. But when the trouble comes, who do they look to? As Christians, we should be different. We should be looking to God every day. Japheth looked to the people of Israel and he said, if I help you, you're going to let me be your leader. But you know, I think the same thing happens in America. We look to God, and God says, if I deliver you, are you going to follow me? As Christians, we've said that prayer. We've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. But guys, I think we get the Savior part and forget about the Lord part. If we're going to call upon God to save us, then we should stop and also say, Lord, you are sovereign to me. That means I put everything in your hands. I put everything I am into you. If we want God to be our Savior and our sovereign, that means trusting Him with everything, including this election. Regardless of what happens, God's still in control. As a Christian, I should do what God has called me to do and then wake up every morning and do it again. God, what would you have me to do? Maintaining an air of courage and obedience to my Father, my Lord, my Savior. Japheth, that's what he did. He didn't let his past define who he was. He said, okay, if my homeland, if the nation of Israel is being attacked, I'll come and I'll lead, but you've got to understand I'm going to be the leader because I'm going to turn it over to God. If God gives me this victory. In other words, Japheth knew I can't win, but God can. 
And if I am going to be what I am supposed to be, if I'm going to maintain my obedient faith and my courage and my character in God, then God will give me the victory. However, we need to keep God at the forefront. And the people of of Israel said, yes, 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 that's it, that's it. And that's what he did. Japheth became a man without compromise. And in the end, he passed the, the ultimate test of integrity. He kept his word. He did what God called him to do. And God gave him the victory that day. You see, Japheth followed God even when it hurt. Even when it cost him dearly. You and I, we come, we say a prayer, God, I, I want you to enter my life. I want salvation. I want, to, I want you to be sovereign Lord of my life. But when it comes to where the rubber meets the road, what do we give in return? Do we truly allow him to be sovereign? You see, Japheth, when he came back to the Israelites, when he came back to Israel, he got on his knees there at Mezpah before the Lord. And he said, God, these people are going to make me their leader if you, if you give the enemy into my hands. But yet, I want everything to be in your hands, God. Therefore, I promise this unto you. I make this vow unto you, God, that, who, that the first when, if you give me victory, if you give my enemies over to my hands, then I will offer up a burnt sacrifice unto you. The first thing I see when I come back to the land of Israel, I will offer it up to you, no matter what it is, Lord, because it is you who gave me the victory. He made the vow. He goes out into battle. He leads the Israelites. They, they conquer the, the land, and, and the people are amazed that they, they could beat the Amorites in such a way. It was obvious that God came in and fought the battle because they had a leader of, that was courageous, that was in, had integrity, that chose to put Christ first. And all the land spoke of how the Amorites were given over into the Israelite hands. And Japheth came back, leading that, that, that procession, that victory procession. And the first thing he saw when he got back into Israel was his daughter. And he kept his promise. And he had to lift his daughter up as a burnt sacrifice unto the Lord. God tested him. He stood firm. He did what he was led to do. And God honored him and saved the Israelites and put him in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It broke his heart. It cost him something that was incredibly dear. But he knew that she was God's before she was his. Folks, what are we willing to give up? If we were really wanting to live a life of courage, if we really wanted to live a life of obedience, what are we willing to give up to keep our vow? Are we ready to to make that stand for God and do whatever it is He's called us to do? Are we ready to step beyond our past? Are we ready to quit allowing the past define our future? Are we ready to say, God, You are sovereign whatever it is in my life. Whatever it is, I choose to do as You lead me to do. That's the question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Japheth was a man who had a rough upbringing. He had a a past that Christian people might hold their nose to. But when he put his eyes on God, God washed him, cleansed him, and he took that same courage and that obedience, put it in Christ, put it in God, and became what God called him to be. He stood responsible for his actions, and his actions were to honor God. His Father, Heavenly Father. That's the kind of president we would need. That's the kind of statesman we need. But how in the world are we going to raise them up if the church won't be that first? We want godly men and women in office in this country, then we need to raise up godly men and women. How do we raise up godly men and women? By being godly men and women. How do you be How are we to become godly men and women? Quit making idle words with our vows and be courageous and stand with integrity and do and carry it out, whatever it is that God's called you to do, regardless of what the world around you says. They'll say, well, you're an oddball. The rest of the church does this. I don't care what the rest of the church does. What does God tell me to do? The world says this care what the world says, what does God tell me to do? That takes courage. 
Sometimes you may feel like you're all alone. Japheth was pushed out of his home. He had nothing except God. Where are you this morning? Can you make that same thing? Are you ready to take personal responsibility for your actions and choose Christ? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray you go back and read this whole story about Japheth, mighty man of God. You're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can choose life today. And you can tell the world. Praise God, next week, uh, Dakota came to me. She's ready to be baptized to let everybody know the decision that she has made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Give God the glory. That's okay. But what about you? Are you willing to make that sacrifice? What about you that's been in the church for 20, 30, 40 years? Maybe God's asked you to make some sacrifices and you're like, eh, no, that's too much. Japheth gave up his own flesh and blood when God asked. Where are you this morning? It's not about how long you've been in church. It's not about how many classes you've taught. I don't care how many times you've mowed the yard or painted the walls. Is He truly sovereign in your life or not? Only you can answer that. In America, we tend to become a little self-centered and spoiled. People call us names and we whine and cry. If you accept Christ in the Middle East, you expect to die. So why in the world do we whine and cry when somebody calls us a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper or a nonconformist? They're just words. You still could go home and eat your dinner and watch TV. Let's quit giving God lip service and let's be the examples of what it means to live a life of character and integrity in Christ so that the next generation can see that it can be done, that it doesn't ha- they do not have to be defined by their past, and then just maybe, just maybe, we can get some godly men and women back in the offices of this great country. But rather than blame everybody else, let's point our fingers at ourselves and take a little personal responsibility and get back to being what God's called us to be. And then He'll change everything else around us. Let's quit whining and pointing and get back on our knees and say, God, forgive me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step down this pathway of decision. That's the first thing you must do. If you do know him as your Lord this morning, make him Savior. Excuse me, if you do know him as your Savior this morning, make him Lord. Give him sovereignty. I promise he can do with your life far better than you can do with your life. But you've got to let him do it. You've got to let him do it. It's your decision this morning. I pray that you make the right one. And the right one is, God, what would you have me to do? So I'll stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. You can come to this altar and pray. Here's what I hope you leave here with this morning. Japheth was a man who was born of a harlot. Ran off to a dark side of the tracks. Became the leader of the gang. But when God called his name, he chose Christ. And when he chose God... He lived for God with integrity and with honor and with faith. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to do the same? Father God, I come before you this morning and just lift up this congregation to you. Me included, Lord. I pray that we will surrender whatever it is. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our relationships. Whatever it is, I pray that we will have the strength, the courage, the fortitude, the faith to trust you with what you're telling us to do. May your will be done in the hearts of your people. For God, it's not about me. It's not about any individual in this room. It should be all about you. May your will be done in the hearts of your people this day. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, If God is moving in your life, if he's telling you to step out and do something, step out and do it.
whatever it may be, whatever it may be, as we sing, guys.